Yes, people, it's episode 232 of Griff's Brain Dump, and it's me, Griff, obviously. How are you doing? It's a bonus episode. It's an episode, it's a midweek episode. It is Wednesday. I'm recording this. Why am I recording this midweek? Well, it's because it's all going to be about the hangover from the Euros. It's going to be a hangover from the Euros. Um, the reason I'm going to do it midweek is simply because I think by the end of the week, I am going to be bored of talking about this. So I thought I'd record it while I'm still interested and while I want to talk about it. And uh, that's what we're going to do. Um, because I think maybe time moves so quickly, you know, in a week's time, we'll be talking about something else. And I'm pretty sure there'll be other stuff to talk about that week. And, you know, we can still discuss about the Euros. So this pod is literally just going to be about the Euros. There's going to be no Dear Deirdre at the end of it. Yeah, so if that's what you're listening out for, then, you know, it's not going to be at the end of this just want to talk about the Euros, you know, about the final, obviously, about the racism and, um, and, what's, going, and what's been going on. Um, first and foremost, uh, in my previous pot, I accused uh, Giorgio Chiellini of, um, of not supporting Moise Keane when it came to racism uh, in Italy, when, he was, when Moise Keane was racially abused um it wasn't Giorgio Chiellini it was actually uh Leonardo Bonucci who said it was a 50-50 um this 50-50 blame it was Chiellini who actually backed Moise Keane and said that he was actually the future of Italian football and the modern representation of what Italian football is all about so I take that back not that Giorgio Chiellini's lawyers were on the phone or anything like that that wasn't the case, um, so, <laughs> but I thought I would uh, correct that. However, let's get into it. So it was the final of the Euros, the European Championships, and England lost on penalties. Uh, it was one all. England lost on penalties, and as we all know, um, three players missed a penalty, uh, missed penalties. That was Marcus Rashford, Jadon Sancho, and uh, Bakayo Saka. Now. Um, now the thing about you know we've we've all seen the racial abuse that these players have received. Now it's crazy as a black person watching this, I instantly thought, and I think a lot of people as well, a lot of white people and non-black people, I should say, uh, th- who are very much aware that racism isn't this thing that disappeared. It's always there, and it's it's always there in this society. They knew. That when these players, well, here's how it went for me, right? When I saw Rashford miss, I was like, I don't want Rashford to miss. I can already see the headlines about the school meals. Focus less on school meals, focus more on penalties. I could already see that. Sancho, there's not much to say about him. He was, I think he was allowed to miss his penalty on his own. Yeah, but like Rashford... He had too much riding on that. He couldn't miss. There's too many people in England who wanted this guy to miss. They wanted him to be the fuck up. Sancho missed. And when the fifth penalty came, and I was in a room full of of maybe 10 other people. And when we saw Saka, Bukayo Saka, 19-year-old Bukayo Saka, walking towards the penalty spot, everyone had this collective, what the fuck? That's not anything on Saka. That is just us as football fans going, what are you doing? 
I even Naomi, who does not watch football, doesn't know anything about football, she'll say that herself, was like, why are they letting him take it? In the sense of he's just a kid. And I was just like, oh, my God, he's going to miss. And this is going to be absolutely terrible for him. But knowing that, as I saw him walk towards, I was like, this is the third black guy in a row. If he misses, oh, my God, it's going to go nuts. The country is going to go into meltdown. The racism is just going to explode. And lo and behold, predictably, the social media racism began. I saw some stories about in in life racism. People sending videos about, and I watched some of the videos. And because all the videos I watched either had zero context or they were about other things, like the people sending me videos of people breaking into the stadium and stuff. And we'll talk about that in a bit. I was like, that's got nothing to do with the racism. That's just England fans being drunk and disorderly, not racism. So don't just pile that all in together, right? So anyway, I want to just talk about the racism on its own for this point. So I knew it was going to come. And so I felt kind of withdrawn on social media the next day when everyone was given the big, like, oh, my God, the racism. This is why I don't support England because of the racism. Fuck England. And that that reaction to me was, again, a confusing reaction because... What people are saying is because of the way the fans have behaved, they're now going to withdraw their support for the players. Yet the players, for me, have been exemplary. They have literally been what role models are meant to be. They have taken the knee for rate against racism and equality. They've worn the LGBT armband. You've got Marcus Rashford doing the school dinners thing this is a squad of players who have literally come together and just represented every flipping cause there is they took the knee they got booed they continued to take the knee their manager backed them the prime minister didn't the home secretary didn't they emboldened the racists by saying they have a right to boo and granted you do have a right to boo but you could also say you have a right to boo but I disagree but they, they couldn't go that far and then for them to come after and say that mm, yeah well we think the racism is terrible we condemn the racism everyone was condemning the racism Prince William was sickened and Boris Johnson condemned it and it, you know these are all sound bites and Priti Patel's had to shut her mouth after Tyrone Mings literally backhanded her on Twitter um, they've had to shut their mouths. Now, granted, as of today, I, you know, I signed a petition yesterday and now it seems like they actually have, they're going to pass a law that they're going to ban racist trolls on Twitter from football, which sounds good. We'll see how they actually put that into work, see what the threshold is um, for getting the ban. But my point is, is withdrawing your support for the players to me, doesn't make sense. It's, it, it's not lo- it doesn't make any logical sense. Then I saw people saying black players should stop playing for England. Why? Why should black players stop playing for England? That is literally what the racists would want. So I get the point you're trying to make is show the racists that ha, if you remove the black players, England won't win anything. Guess what? With the black players, 
England haven't won anything. So why must the black players now have their career curtailed and kneecapped because racists are making noise? No, they can go fuck themselves. Listen, black players should play for England, especially if they're born in England and they want to play for England, yeah? If they're born and raised, born and or raised in England, because I don't want to exclude Raheem Sterling, who was raised in England, why do they not want to play for England? They should play for the country that they're from. I see a lot of black people say, like, do you play for the country you're from? Now, I'll get that air of sentiment. Like, I'm Jamaican, in air quotes. People listen to this. You know, like Nigerian or Ghanaian or, you know, wherever you're from. Bayesian, whatever. But here's the thing. You, and I've got the joke about it. You've seen my joke. You, you realise you're not from somewhere. You only realise you're not from somewhere when you go there. You can claim to be Jamaican all you want, but when you go to Jamaica, you realise you ain't Jamaican. You're not Jamaican. Yeah, you are a British person with Jamaican parents. So granted, that makes you different from a white British person whose parents are generationally English. But it also makes you very different from a Jamaican person who's born in Jamaica, parents are Jamaican and they live in Jamaica. You're very different. So they have the arrogance to say, I'm Jamaican. Mm. No, you may not feel British and I'm not going to take that feeling away from you. And my, I myself, I definitely don't feel English. I definitely don't feel English. I feel that's an ethnicity thing. That's a different story. But to say that you are another thing, I don't think you are. And when it comes to sport, say that all these black players should play for their home country. No. Now, Leon Bailey, who is arguably Jamaica's most talented player, has only got nine caps for Jamaica. He only decided to play for Jamaica last year because of the facilities and professionalism of the Jamaican Feder Football Federation was subpar to him. He was like, no, it's a joke. It's not ran properly. Until it's ran properly, then I'll play. He's a professional footballer and guess what? He wants professional surroundings. Now, you could argue that maybe if all these talented players played for these countries and maybe their federations would get better maybe maybe but let's be honest guys the gold cup is on right now how many of you stayed up to watch jamaica play suriname i'll be honest did you really stay up to watch jamaica play suriname i watched the first half and i was like i i, I can't watch any more of this i've got to go sleep me as a professional footballer, who do I want to be playing against? Do I want to be playing against Italy at Wembley? Or do I want to be playing like qualifying matches against Montserrat and Martinique? Playing against plumbers and welders, tree surgeons. What, what am I doing? I'm not even playing against them, playing with. Right, Jamaica's one of the more professional squads in the CONCACAF, yeah? But the best player, the, the most high kind of ranking player in terms of club, yeah, it's Leon Bailey, who plays for Bayer Leverkusen. Then after that, it's probably uh, Bobby um, Decadovereed, who plays for Fulham, relegated Fulham. Then after that, it gets really woeful. I think you've got Mariapa there, who plays for Bristol. And it starts getting quite lower league-ish. I was looking at the Montserrat team. They've got people playing for Enfield Town and Epping. Epping! And you want these black players to keep it real and play for these, play for these countries? Nah, not a chance.
Now, the African players, more of an argument. I mean, the CAF is probably the third strongest federation after after uh, Europe, UEFA, and after the, was it Conembao, which is South America. After those two, African nations, the third. And when I say third, they're not far, they're not far behind South America. You can maybe even argue equal. Yeah. So more of an argument there that if you're Ghana, playing for Ghana is not as is nowhere near as traumatic <laughs> as playing for bloody Barbados or Antigua. Okay, like it's just it's a it's a non-star. But, but yeah, these black players should play for these uh, play for England if they're good enough. Let's not pretend that these players who do play for their nations of origin. Are not playing for them because they can't get into the England squad. There's not many people who have the option to play for England. Are getting selected regularly and go, actually, nah, I'm switching allegiances. Doesn't happen. It very, very rarely happens. And I think with this England team, uh, Jesus, the level of expectations of some fans is unreal. This England team is. This is the first football final they've been to since 1966 which was their only ever final so two this is the second best that england have ever done in the international football tournament and this country rather than celebrate actually let me no dial it back can't say this country because actually most people in this country were fine most people in this country literally went oh well well done boys you did us proud well done but then this loud minority this is probably everything on the internet is the loud minority get amplified and that's not to say that we should uh, ignore them not at all I'm just, just saying this but this loud minority get amplified and just ridiculous behaviour so they're racially abusing someone then the people who are doing it and saying that they've been hacked because their employee their employers got found I mean, this is another thing. And I think this is something that should happen in social media. And I don't care about data protection, all that shit. Every account on social media should be attached to a real physical human being. So if you're Mark72348, yeah, you can have that as your profile. You can have a profile picture of a bloody monkey, all you want. Yeah. Uh, A tree. Um, I don't care. You can have a motorbike. I don't give a shit what your profile picture is. I don't care what your handle is. But Mark 7432, whatever, yeah? Behind that, Twitter needs to have information that that is actually Mark Smith. He's 24. His date of birth is this. And he's from Norwich. And this is who he is. This is this guy. And he's had to verify who he is. Because then when that account sends a monkey emoji or calls people niggers all that shit yeah someone should be able to go boom this is the guy you're being held accountable you're banned from football and here's your criminal record because you can't go around the street just screaming racial abuse at people you never do it to the person's face and I don't know why people treat social media like it's this special place where it's oh there's only social media and then all these knobheads are saying that they got hacked funny that Funny you all got hacked and everyone who hacked you decided to be a racist. 
at the exact moment yeah, when three black players missed a penalty. It's so strange. What, what's a bit of malware someone created? How, how crazy, eh? It's absolute bollocks, man. Absolute bollocks. Um, I don't know. And having Saka take the fifth penalty, I'm just rambling and ranting. Having Saka take the fifth penalty as well was nuts to me. Um, but I get it in the sense of he had his methodology and that's what he used for the previous two penalty shootouts that England won where they did training, worked out who was the best at taking them and then they just went down in that order. But for me, you got this is where you trust too much in your system. You know, you trust too much in yourself. We're doing that, yeah, where you just have your five players, you go, oh, yeah, cool, that's who it is. That's like trusting your sat-nav. You know when your sat-nav goes, turn left. And you're like, mm, but that's a river there. Turn left. And in 100 yards, turn left. It's like, there's, there's no left. But the sat-nav says, that's what that was to me. Your system said that Saka has to take the fifth penalty because he's the fifth best penalty taker on the pitch. Ignore your sat-nav because you realise that's a 19-year-old taking the fifth penalty. Now, granted, I think a lot of, I've speaking to a lot of people online, I realise a lot of people don't really know that much about football. And that's what I was talking about that in the last pod, of people just shoehorning their agendas into things. You know, I'm anti-racist, so I want to shoehorn my anti-racism stuff into football. Or I'm... Uh, I want to talk about free speech and all that stuff. And, well, I want to shoehorn that into football. So, shut up. Oh, you always just shut up. Just, just focus on the football. But these, a lot of these people didn't understand that you pick the five before the penalty shootout begins. So, so Saka may have just simply needed to just roll it in and they win. But it ended up being that if he missed, Isley won. And it's, it's just un, unreal pressure on the kid. Unreal pressure on the kid, man. Um, but, like I said, for me, England did tremendously well. Um, for me as well, I found this England team over, under Gareth Southgate, I have found this England team really hard not to support. I found it, I've actually found them impossible not to support. Whether that makes me weak minded, makes me any kind of racial epithet that you would have used. I don't care. I've, I've just found this England team impossible not to get behind. Just the way they've conducted themselves, the players, the manager, and the way they've just batted away the press, the way they get behind each other, the way they all seem to know how to say the right thing. It's, it's just, just too likeable. The team's just too likeable for me. So I think England should be proud of, of the team. Now, with the racists, again, it's just this annoying thing that whenever this racism happens after a football match, they discuss it like it's racism in football. Football's got a problem with racism. These aren't real football fans. The football says they're not real fans. And both those things annoy the shit out of me. Let's go with the football thing. They're not real fans. Yes, they are. They are real fans. Not only are they real fans, this is going back to the first point, they're not just real fans, they're real people. They're real people, as you saw, the guy who works for Savills, he's a, like a letting agent. These are real people, these are teachers, these are doctors, these are mechanics. These are real people, real families, real responsibilities and a real part of playing society. So to make out that this is just a football problem is nuts. 
sorry to use such a crass metaphor, but let's use something like rape. Imagine if after every football match that England lost, some, a guy decided to rape someone. Would we ever look at that and go, oh, football's got a problem with rape? No, we would not. We'd be like, that individual has a problem with rape. And we need to work out why that individual thinks this is normal behaviour. We probably would stop at that point. We wouldn't even try to find out if it's why that individual thinks it's normal behaviour. We would just arrest them. Right? But that's the bigger question. Where does it come from? Because football doesn't happen outside of society. People like to say leave politics out of football. But where in the world does politics not touch and reach? Race, you know, they keep it, keep the politics out of it. Racism is political. Everything is political. Every, you know what I mean? So all our rights and stuff is all political. I just, I just like, it's just tiring, man. People saying it's a football issue and it's just clearly not. It's a societal issue. And like I say, when you've got your prime minister, your home secretary, especially your home secretary, a brown lady, Indian lady saying, oh, you know, this, the, the kind of the, the bad faith argument, just the, the purposely misunderstanding what the knee is about. Yeah. The news about BLM, BLM's a Marxist, communist, socialist, leftist. Shut up. Seriously, if any of the people who say that shit, I can almost guarantee none of them could tell you what any of those words meant, what I just said. Marxist, socialist, communist, leftist. You know, maybe they, they don't know. I, I don't know what these words mean, and I'm pretty sure those words aren't all, they don't all mean the same thing, but yet, BLM is all of those. Woke culture, political correctness gone mad. Is that what are you talking about? And even if it was all of that, the players have said it's none of that. The players have said, no, we're, we're taking a knee for a stand against racism. That's it. Take a stand against racism. You boo that. It's pointless, you say. Gesture politics. Then the team loses. Racism rears its head. And you go, oh, my God, where does this come from? What? Do you know... Do you know like, I thought that politicians, although they're bullshitters, I thought they were at least smart. Like, surely there was some kind of PR agent who would have gone, oh, this is how we're going to spin it, guys. No. Mm-mm-mm. No, no, no. Couldn't spin it like that. And then, like, to see the Sun saying that, you know, we back you. They had the three players on the front saying, we back you. And everyone's going, oh, look at the Sun. Well done. The other people are like, oh, look at the Sun. They're racist. We ain't forgotten. Um, hey, so I think a bit of both. I think you're both right. I think you're both right. And I think it's a sense of it's a part of what we all do is the thing of we're behind you because that racism is over there. That's not us. That's not our group. It's the no true Scotsman argument. It's, it's the same thing. They're not real football fans. And then they hand them over to society and society goes, oh, no, they're not true Brits. Real Brits don't racially abuse. That's not how we do it. I'm British. I'm proud to be British. I'm proud to be English. And we don't do that. They're not true English people. But here's the thing. They are. They are football fans. They are English. 
like I said, they are in society. They're part of society. And yes, granted, most of society does not act in this way. Um, most of us have subconscious biases that we that manifest in different situations, but most people in, in, in England don't feel compelled to racially abuse someone, whether verbally or on, online. They don't. Quite frankly, they don't. You, if you was to pick a random person in the street, they would be like, yeah, that was nuts. <laughs> right? But it's present. It's there. And it needs to be stamped out, man. It needs to be stamped out. Now, we, and, and, you know, it's, I don't know, it's just annoying. And then, and then I guess I'll talk about, because someone asked me to talk about this, Andrew Lawrence, who's a comedian who made a air quote joke about, um, about the players who, who missed um, his exact words were uh, um, let's find it let's find it because shout out to Wahala ESN pod the joke was this because all I'm saying is the white guy scored shruggy emoji and then he said I can see that this has offended a lot of people and I'm sorry that black guys are bad at penalties right Here's the thing. So some, uh, and I've spoke about it online. Some people have gone, it's racist. It's racist. He, as a white man, cannot say that it's racist. I disagree. I don't think it's racist in and itself. I think it's uh, an attempted joke. And I think jokes uh, are there to be attempted. Some people have gone, it's, it's his right for free speech. Why are people trying to censor him? Here's the thing. He did exercise his free speech. No one censored him. That tweet got seen by lots of people. That tweet happened to be seen by people he booked his tour with and his agent, who all said, nah, mate. So he got his agency, kicked him off, and a lot of venues on his tour when no you're not performing here mate this has made some people go oh it's gone too far cancel culture listen i don't know what cancel culture is anymore um but i do know one thing there's an accountability culture that's growing and it's a thing of this you might have freedom of speech but you don't have freedom of consequences of your speech you exercise your freedom of speech on a private platform called twitter you sign terms and agreements, terms and conditions to use that platform. I think people need to understand that Twitter, YouTube, Facebook, all social media, not human rights. They might be free and you might overuse them, but it doesn't mean that they're there as a human right. It's not water. It's not air. So if you get banned from these platforms, you haven't been censored. You're not being silenced. Go find another platform. But guess what? They've got terms and conditions. It's like if I was going to my workplace and start calling all the women whores and slags and then I got sacked, I can't accuse my employer of being, oh, you're trying to stop me from earning money. This is financial extortion. Financial violence. No, no it's not. I signed the contract and I acted a twat in contravention of the contract and now the contract's been ripped up. It's as simple as that. 
I think with this Andrew Lawrence guy, now reading other people's things, apparently this guy is what you call neurodiverse, so he's got conditions like, I don't know, ADHD or maybe autism. A few people said that they're not sure if he's diagnosed, but he definitely seems to be on the spectrum. Some people have said they think that he is autistic. Uh, there was another um, condition I saw called ODD, which is like, um, this is oppositional what is it ODD Oppo oppositional defiant disorder and when I saw that written down I was like I know there's going to be a legitimate like DSM 5 definition of what this is but this is definitely going to be one of those new ones that Joey Average is going to say that's what I've got not OCD when someone says I've got OCD I've got like really bad OCD it's like no you're not you're just tidy shut up oh my god I'm not a nymphomaniac no you're not you're a slag like just shut up it's not an actual condition you've got just control yourself so there's when people do that so I could definitely see that this like ODD oh my god I've got ODD that's why I'm such an arsehole now I'm not saying this guy does have ODD I'm just saying I definitely see people say they now have ODD. Oppositional defiant disorder. Basically, just makes you an argumentative twat, right? That's how an, uh, that's how an unprofessional person like me would describe it. But there's loads of other conditions to it. You can read it. And when you read all the other conditions, you see it's not your average person that has that. It's most, most people who claim to have it are just argumentative twats. And that's it. A bit like myself. But I wouldn't claim I have this condition. Anyway. So with Andrew Lawrence, he has all these things. But for me, it's as simple as this. Right? Someone's saying that he's not allowed to say this as a white guy. That's not true. What it is with jokes is you as an individual. Um, as a comedian, your only job is to be funny. That's it. Just be funny. And sometimes being funny is also offensive. And when it's also offensive, guess what? Suck it up. Because... You saw those people over there laughing. It's funny. It was funny. It might be a bit offensive, but you can see the the attempt was at funny. Right? But then sometimes these edgelords, yeah, they realise that sometimes funny is offensive and they've gotten the maths wrong and they think, so that means sometimes offensive is funny. And they get the maths even more wrong and go, offensive is always funny. And it's like, no. No, 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 no. Because here's the thing. When you're going to be funny and offensive, yeah, you better make sure you're going to be funny. Because if you're not funny, you're just offensive. Now, offensive is, uh, offense is something that's very subjective, something that you have to take as an individual. But here's the thing about the form and you as an individual when you tell your jokes. If I was going stage and tell jokes, slagging off women all the time, all the time. Uh, and I don't ever do jokes slagging off men. I don't ever do jokes that actually praise women. Then you're going to get this idea of me that maybe he doesn't like women. Now, I can come on stage, but oh, I was only just joking. That's cool. I can do that. But the evidence as presented says, but you don't. Tell, tell me a joke that means you like women. And this is what's happening with a lot of these uh, these white guys, I guess your sh- as SWMs, your stri- straight white males, is a lot, a, I can't say a lot, but many, um, not most, but many, 
are having this kind of existential crisis when it comes to comedy that they're seeing women they're seeing non-white and they're seeing um not you know not heteronormative you see lgbt type people all getting opportunities and in their mind they can only reconcile that they're getting these opportunities because of their identity and therefore they scream identity politics is going too far and they can't actually rationalize in their head that these people actually get these opportunities based on merit and they also happen to be black or happen to be a woman and the thing is yes in recent years there has been more of a push for diversity and my view with all kinds of things of diversity and equality is this i just want the equality of opportunity not an equality of outcome i don't want you to force me into an outcome yeah so for example if it comes to a job and I'm applying for a job. I want the equality of opportunity. I want to have my CV read fairly. I don't want any judgment on my name. I don't want any judgment on my appearance. I want to have an interview. And I want my answers to be assessed purely on how they're delivered and the answers. And the same for anyone else regardless of race or regardless of gender. And then if I don't get the job, it's not racism. You just pick the best person for the job. Even if you actually pick the white guy because you're a team of white guys and you think they'll probably just fit in more i don't even see that as racism you you like who you like whatever but i just want the opportunity that's the equality for me the quality of opportunity let me apply but if you're now not letting me apply then that's where i've got an issue but i don't want the quality of outcome i don't want you to now go right we need to hire a black guy uh, why i thought you're trying to hire for an accountant here it's like yeah but we want a black one why uh just diversity really then don't i don't know i don't want to be hired for that i don't want a promotion like that i'm lying i'll definitely take a job or a promotion on those bases if they literally said to me after darren we got you because we need a black guy for the brochure i'm like well you're paying me what i wanted so that's all right but <laughs> everyone's got a price but um, but no, it's uh, and and with these comedians, they they're getting so twisted and bitter. These straight white male comedians that now they have no identity. They can't lean on anything like that because everything. And I get it. I get the upset. I do get the upset. I don't get how it comes. I don't condone how it comes out. But I get the upset in the sense of. This black guy gets on stage, he starts joking about being black. This woman gets on stage, she jokes about being woman, she slags off men. The black guy gets on stage, jokes about being black, slags off white people. The gay person gets on stage, talks about being gay, slags off straight people. In a humorous way, everyone does it in a humorous way. So the white guys, they're going, well, I'm, what can I do? Because you're not allowed to punch down. And there is this kind of social hierarchy with jokes. You're not allowed to punch down. So because he's white and he's joking about black people, it's definitely made us more sensitive to go, oh, he's punching down. The people on the, the right, the free speech gate, go, that's patronising to black people. How's that punching down? But then if you believe in critical race theory and you, you, know, you understand how society is structured, then you say, yeah, that is punching down, you know, and intersectionality and all of that. Where, you know, men would be punching down on women or straight people would be punched down on gay. Here's the thing, I don't believe in punched up or punched down. My thing really is, if it's funny, it's funny. I've seen white guys get on stage, tell jokes about black people, and I've literally laughed and gone, this motherfucker, I hate him, because he's made me, as the one black guy in the room, laugh really loud at his joke at black people. 
but the joke was funny. But guess what? If the joke wasn't funny, oh, that's just a bit racist, what you just said. The joke probably was still a bit racist, but it was funny. And so these guys are having an issue with their, their existence, their, their purpose. So they find a new camp. It's the right. They say the centre, but it's really right. And they slag off everyone who complains, calling them woke babies. And say that, yeah, you're censoring free speech. And these comedians, like football, don't just exist in comedy. They are human beings. They are members of society. And there's other members of society who are in this flipping culture war. This culture war where it's the left versus the right. And every topic is literally being slotted down these two columns. Every, it's like almost every topic. It's just whoop. Here's the topic, here's the bits that the right are going to say, here's the bit that the left are going to say, and then they get people on TV to do these sound bites. I was discussing with a few of the comedian friends that, like, on TV, for example, uh, and again, it's, it's all about society and it's manifested football. We've got this fractured society where you only have two black characters that get fit, asked to be on morning television. Yeah? Um, like I said you have as, as we said in the group you've got you know Baba King Wakandan of Africa everything's black pro-black it's everything's racist against black people and it's and that's it nothing else it's, it's racism it has to be racism white supremacy and and uh, institutional racism and it's, and it's all that every day all day no, nothing's stopping it and, and they lean on the left for everything as well it's, uh, you know so it's, it's all, all racism everything's racism even when it's not I'm going to just do mental gymnastics to say it's racism that's one, that's one character that's the new character they've introduced on morning television you watch whenever there's a race Topic, they're going to pick one of these black characters. You're going to pick that person who is so entranced in their agenda or their ideology that even when the evidence is presented in the contrary to what they say, they're still sticking to its racism. Right? Um, and it, Dr. Scholler, she's an example of somebody gets rolled out onto TV to have these arguments, gets impassioned, and so lean so far into the agenda. Mark Lamont Hill is the American version of that. Gets so they lean so far into into their ideology that even when the evidence is there against it, they're going to just fight that side. They're just going to fight that side. That's going to do. They're going to keep it real. They're going to get the retweets. They're going to get the battery put in their back by Black Twitter, by you know white liberal people who just want to be woke and just want to make sure that yay. Listen, I'm a terrible white person and I'm I'm probably racist. But hey, that makes me a good white person because I've I've acknowledged my privilege, man. It's like cool. And then you have the other black person they put on TV. He's been around for a while. You know, that's Cooney McCoonison. He he who's just like nothing's racist. Nothing can possibly be racist. Nothing at all. Nope. No. Nothing can be racist. Never put these two black people on, on TV at the same time. 
they, they never do that that's that's wild you can't have two black people on tv they were crazy um and they roll out one or the other for the tv show and, and that's what they do and they have that guy who comes on he'll just be like no it's not racist no it's not Oh, those worst black people, which if black people just put more effort in and just stop, you know, stabbing each other. They say all that kind of shit on TV. You, you, you know the character, yeah? So you just got those two characters that get rolled out on TV. But again, these two characters are products of this culture war where it's you're either on one side or you're on the other. There's no nuance. There's no context. Someone like John Barnes, for example, right? John Barnes, for me sits in the middle and that's why he upsets people he upsets people on both sides right and like a typical john barnes interview would be the interviewer will be like will say john is this thing racist john barnes will say no this thing's not racist but here's the things around it that are racist that we probably should think about and if we actually think about it in a bigger wider picture then we might be able to stop racism and stop having these conversations and then the interviewer go thank you for coming on the show and saying that it wasn't racist white twitter goes see there's a black or say racist twitter says we go see there's a black guy who said it wasn't racist there it's not racist and then black twitter's like you coon you sell out your uncle tom and then john barnes is left again well i didn't actually say anything that you guys are accusing me of saying i just said this instant wasn't racist yeah like for example give an example of what john Barr said when um you remember when the the, the what's it, it was um psg versus that turkish team currently the turkish team was um but istanbul it's the istanbul club or ankara i can't remember the from but you remember it and the fourth official said the black one. He pointed to the bench and said the black one. Yeah. And then that caused a massive uproar. He said Negru. The black one. And everyone's going that's racist. Why are you describe him as the black one? And then when you looked at the bench. And you realised that there were six people on the bench. Five were white. One was black. And he wasn't a player. And he had a tracksuit on. Because people were going why didn't you call him by his name? doesn't know his name and the clear the clear defining feature of this guy the differentiating feature of this guy was that he was black so the black the black guy that's what i'm talking about have you ever listen as somebody who works in the corporate world my office is majority white i've had to deal with that shit where literally i've been new to an office i've asked who do i pass this report to and the person is there going Oh, you just pass it to to um let's pick a name. Wait to to Steph. It's like Steph. Okay, which one's Steph? And they're like, um, she's um she sits she sits on on the uh well which which row is it? She sits near the, the printer. So she has um I think she's wearing a pink shirt today. I think um and um how does he's got like long hair, long hair. Well, actually, I'm not sure if it's long today. I mean, it's um she so uh how does say she's like brown eyes and she's um it's like sorry you talking about the black woman? I can see I'm looking down the office that you talking about the black woman? Like, yes, look that would be much quicker. She's literally the only black woman down that part of the office. That would be much quicker. Thank you. I'll go to speak to Steph now. You know what I mean? It's it's that it's like that's not racist. Right? And did I say Negru? 
Well, the guy was Romanian. I think that's the Romanian word for black. But everyone's like, he called him a Negro. He called him a He's like, no, he didn't. Now, John Barnes came on and said, yeah, that, that wasn't racist. But here's the things that are racist in football. But the presenter goes, well, there you go. Let's fake John Barnes coming on and saying it's not racist. And then everyone, black Twitter goes, coon, sell out. Why is he not saying it's racist? The white people, white racists come on Twitter and go, see, there's a black guy saying, well, racist. you black people cry about everything's racist. Nothing's racist. He, he didn't say that. He didn't say any of those things you guys said. And he's got this really, there's an interview that's circling around, 13 minute interview, audio clip, where he is just breaking down how racism isn't football's issue, it's society's issue. And it's just annoying me that we've got this hyper focus on these tweets by these stupid football fans and I think it's swaying a little bit because of Tyrone Ming's backhand to Pretty Patel the fact that even Tory backbenchers have been saying listen we have mishandled the take the knee We've, we've mishandled that we've misinterpreted what it means because the fact that they have been kneeling against racism and then racism occurs yeah, we fucked up. We fucked up. Everyone knows that Harry Kane does not want to defund the police. Okay? <laughs> They've never said anything to do with the BLM manifesto or anything like that. No. No one really cares about this organisation. Okay? Forget that organisation. Just want people to stop being racist. That's it. And I think white people want that. Black people want Lots of people want that. Just stop being fucking racist is that simply so moronic and um i think i think that's it i think that's all i've got to say about it. like i just wouldn't have been bothered to talk about this uh later on in the week so i just want to get it out now um i think i'm done i think i'm done on it um so the next pod i don't think i'll be talking about well i won't be talking about this stuff again um but yeah, that's it. I think that's it. Um, you know, and it'd be good if um, I don't know. Just really think you you just cover the positive stories as well. I mean, like you saw the Rashford mural get vandalised, but then you've seen the absolute outpour of support for the guy. And if you do it on numbers, that was probably one guy who graffitied the mural and then there's up to 200. And one of my mates who's in Manchester went there as well, white guy. It was completely outnumbers it. And I think, and I think you know, I think, I think it's actually got to a point where even white people is like, no, I've had enough. I've had enough of this. Like, you're making us look shit. <laughs> as it is, man. And I mean, just the fans, they've actually I've got to guess a little bit more because the fans, um, they've the racism aside as well, the behaviour of the England fans. Seeing some people say England didn't deserve to win because of the behaviour of the fans, again, that's utter nonsense. But let's break down the behaviour of the fans. The fans have, again, in general, been fine, but there is a minority, and the minority isn't to be ignored. Uh, it just should be seen as the majority, but the minority's there, and they make a lot of noise. The the vandalism in the streets, the trashing of London, the the flipping breaking into Wembley, like 
all of that nonsense, breaking into Wembley, assaulting Italians, assaulting black people. Um, you know, Mancini's own son had to sit on the stairs, apparently. I remember when that camera was panning the crowd, I went, there's no way there's only 60,000 people there. Not a chance there's only 60,000 people there. All of that. Now, I understand why kids, local to the area, have done that. You've got nothing else to do. You're a stupid teenager. Your mates rationalise to you going, look, we, there's, it holds 90,000, only 60,000 people allowed there. There's only three of us. That's not 30,000 people. We just go in and get a seat, innit? And then you're all going to rush in. Because it's not like you're 18 where you can go to a fan park or go to a pub or a bar and have a good old drink and enjoy the moment. You can't do that. You probably don't live in a house big enough to host loads of your friends. And like I said, you're 14. Your mates use this stupid teenage logic to say, we just hop the fence, we just go in. Come on, it's England. You've got to see Raheem Sterling. It's going to be great. And you're going to break in. Now, to see people kicking the shit out of these people breaking in was well, hilarious, but also nuts. Like, it's not your dad's stage. What are you kicking the shit out of people for? Now, if someone's in your seat, you just tell the steward. No, I don't tell the steward. I'll be like, banging my teeth, going, this is my seat. I don't care where you sit, but this is my seat. I remember when I went to... I told you guys on the pod before, I went to see Bruno Mars a few years ago. My man came with his ticket. With his ticket, someone sat in his seat. Obviously, no one's broken in. The guy who sat in his seat was in the wrong seat. He goes, excuse me, you're in my ticket? You're in my... Um, here's my ticket, you're in my seat. My man looks at him and went, no, nah, I don't think I am. This guy looked like he was about to cry. Because all he could see was, you're sat in block 293. Yeah, this is 293. Row 7. Seat, seat D. That's my seat. And the guy was like, nah. He's like, but it is. And then he just literally went, he looked like he was going to cry in the corridor. I was like, bruv. Just tell the man, get out of your seat. Point at your ticket and say, look, show me your ticket. And I'll show you mine, and I'll show you how this is my seat and not yours. You've got to go find something. And you can see, so some people just can't cope with that shit. But point making is all of that nonsense. It's probably jeopardised England's bid to host a future tournament. I can't remember which tournament they wanted to host, whether it was the World Cup. But they may have jeopardised that bid. So it's on. So again, it's not about saying they're not real fans, it's not us, they're not real. English people, not real British people, it's not us. No, 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 no. It's it, it's it's us. It's society. It's it's us, and and we've got to address that. You can't just be the white people need to address that. Mm-mm. It's a societal thing. It's our society. Uh, we've got to live here, and I, I don't want to live somewhere like this. So we, we need to fix it, man. Definitely need to fix it. So, in conclusion, I say this. Football doesn't have a problem with racism. Society has a problem with racism. The England team should be supported. I think they've been exemplary. I have enough of hearing, especially black people, say you shouldn't even support England uh, because I never actually hear the team you support. I never hear you say, I support Jamaica, I support Nigeria, I support Ghana. Yeah, so I'm not talking about the ones who do support those countries. I'm not talking about the ones who do support an African country when you're playing against England or, or when it's the World Cup you support any African country I, I don't mind you guys your call but it's the ones you go nah bun England whoever England are playing I support them so you support Brazil 
over England. Nothing to do with Brazil being a really good team. You support Brazil over England. That country that is literally anti-black. They're fully anti-black in Brazil. What about Argentina? So you're, you're so happy to see English guys get upset because those English guys are moronically talking about the Falklands War. That you're on the back. Argentina, who systemically bred out black people. Show me a black Argentinian. Any. Find me an Argentinian. Boom, this is a country in South America. Just find me one player in the Argentina squad that's black. In any World Cup. Eddie. Do it. Think about it. Off this podcast. Pause the podcast now. Google it. You might find one thing. There's one goalkeeper who's a quarter black. And that was back in like the 80s. Wonderful. That's the team you want to support instead of England. Just because it's anyone but England. You want to support France. You want to support France. The same country that has a ma- magazine that will draw pictures of Mohammed. That, that's, that's the non-racist country. Because they've got black people in their team. Listen, England has black people in their team. And these black guys are probably from the same town that you're from. But you don't want to support this England team. You want to support France. Why? Do you prefer your racism in the baguette? What, what are you talking about? What are, you, what are you talking about? So, in conclusion, support England, especially when they're playing against another European team. If you want to support your country, like an African country, Caribbean country, be my guest. But don't chat shit and say don't support England while ignoring the fact that your country is literally playing the same day. I saw so many Jamaican Brits going bun England, but I didn't see any of them saying come on Jamaica when he's playing Suriname. Because you don't actually care. You just want to be antagonistic. And I guess all of that just adds to the, the pot of just what in England play is. Rather than everyone's going, eh, I like them or I don't care. It's, it's just a mix of people. Ha, 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 ha. <laughs> they lost. Because even the racists. Because that's the thing. The racists who don't want black people in the team are watching the team and going, ha, 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 they lost. Too many blacks in the team. Ha, ha, ha. <laughs> So anyway, that's 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 my football special. That's 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 the football special. That's midweek football special. I've ranted about football, um, and so by Sunday I won't be talking about this shit anymore. Hopefully not. Anyway, alright, people. That's the end of the pod. Um, I'll probably miss some shit that I wanted to talk about, but I think I've covered everything I saw online um, or spoke to other people about. That's pissed me off. All right, but hey. I think England are in good shape for for Qatar 2020. And let's see if us uh, if anyone talk about human rights before that, you know, the actual slave labour. We talk about slavery, but are we going to talk about the slave labour that was used to build those stadiums? Why? But except the slaves weren't black; they were Indian. Are we going to talk about that? Probably not. Anyway, that's the end of the pod, people. Episode. Two, three, three. All right, peace.